Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The hot stove season is cooking. Tennessee Vols are heading for the transfer portal. Not too many notable losses yet. A couple couple names we'll touch on here today, but also signing day, the December signing period right around the corner. That is the big signing period now that replaced uh, what used to be the big national signing day in February. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinel's Adam Sparks. John Adams is out today bird watching. Yes, he really is doing that. I didn't make that up. So it's just me and Adam holding down the fort today. We got a lot to get into with the transfers, comings and goings, and also with signing day. So first, Adam, I want to start with this. And the answer both is not an acceptable answer. I'm I'm taking it off the board. Which is more important for Tennessee here in the next few weeks? It's signing class hall or what it gets in the transfer portal here in this winter window? Transfer portal. Um, Because I think they're going to build – they're going to win with offense. I think that's pretty clear now three seasons in because – Tennessee, its first year, had a very good offense and a bad defense, and they won seven games. Probably should have won eight or nine games. Second year, they went 11-2, and two, and they had a the best offense in school history, and their defense was okay. Uh, this year, their defense was a little better than okay. It was their best defense they've had so far, and yet the 8-4 and four was sort of a disappointment, and that's all because of the offense. This team, if they're winning double-digit, if they're getting double digit wins, if they're getting to 10 wins and they're a, in the future, a playoff contender in the expanded 12 team playoff, it's, it's, it's because their, their offense is going to be top 10 in college football. Their defense is always going to be somewhere between not very good and, and above average, I think. Um, And that's not going to have, I think that much impact on the record. They're going to win with offense the way you replenish offense right now. And I think probably for them is going to be through the transfer portal. Um, you've got to go get skilled players. That's probably going to be in the portal. Um, you're going to have to plug in offensive linemen, I guess. At least that's what they've done so far. That's going to come through the portal. Uh, tight ends, they use two a year, and they could be getting two in the portal this year. I'm not saying that's the best way or the right way, um, but I think that's the way that they're probably going to have to do it. As you look around the SEC, we see programs doing this in different ways. Uh, Alabama and Georgia still, for the most part, build their roster via signing a bunch of five and four star guys, you know, top two or three rated national classes every year. They develop them. And within a year or two, sometimes two or three years, we see those guys out there dominating on Saturdays and then they go to the NFL and they cherry pick some of the best transfer talent in the portal, but by and large, they're not as active in the portal in terms of quantity as some other teams. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have transfer portal U, which is Ole Miss, right? Lane Kiffin made it clear 
from day one with these new NCAA transfer rules that aren't new anymore, um, they're a couple years old, that that's the way Ole Miss was going to make its living was much more by being a factor in transfers than they were in recruiting high school prospects. And they almost used the high school guys to supplement the transfers rather than the way Alabama and Georgia are doing it using the transfers to supplement the high school guys. So when it comes to Tennessee, though, it seems like they're kind of lurking in the middle, right, between being this program that builds it with high school talent versus transfers. Do you see that as it goes forward now trending in one direction more than the other? Or are you still kind of uh, waiting to see? Like time time will tell here. Well, I'm, I'm waiting to see because I'm not – I'm not entirely sure they know what their strategy is. I think if Josh Hoppel was on this pod right now, he would give sort of a canned answer of, you know, you started the pod off by saying you can't say both. His answer would be both. Right. Um, his answer would be, well, each year is different and each position is different. I buy, I buy in the fact that each position is different and we can go through that here in a minute. Each year is different. I don't know that I buy that because you have to plan these things out. Um, you have to build certain positions over the long haul. You can't just go into the portal and and add thirty guys every year. Um, so some of these have to be have to be uh, built up over time. Georgia and Alabama they are the exceptions because there is a there's an assumption that if you're there for three years, if you're signed and there you're there for like three years, you're going to get your chance. Um, there's going to be depth built up there and you're going to roll through, have a chance to win a national title, it's going to be worth the wait. Uh, Tennessee has not won consistently enough, even under Josh Heupel, for uh, players to think that's necessarily going to happen. Um, they can see greener pastures elsewhere in some situations, and if they're sitting sitting the bench, then uh, sometimes they may be right. Um, you know, two positions that jumped out to me in particular that you and I were talking about uh before we hit record on this pod were defensive back and offensive line. Josh Hopple and these, he's had two full recruiting classes that were all his, not Jeremy Pruitt's two full recruiting classes so far before this one that he's about to sign. He has signed nine offensive linemen and nine defensive backs. None of those 18 players have played meaningful snaps in the, in these two years. Non-offensive linemen. I mean, the best of those was on the offensive line was Addison Nichols. He's in the portal now. Uh, Mo Clipper is in the portal. Savion Herring last year transferred. So of those nine guys, six of them are, are, are left, and none of those guys have played meaningful snaps yet. They're they're in the developmental stage. Now, that's, that's normal for offensive linemen. You usually don't t- sign a guy and then plug him right into the offensive line in the SEC. But you would think there would be more indications on the O-line for these guys to play sooner than later um, of the guys they have right now, I would say Vasen Lang would be your best chance. Maybe he's an interior lineman. He's supposed to be the center after Cooper Mays leaves. Um, so he would have the best chance of those, but again, that's nine offensive linemen. None of them have been developed far enough along the line to say that they're a hit rather than a miss so far. The nine defensive backs, um, you know, in the, D. Williams is one of those. He's been a phenomenal punt returner, but he, he, he didn't play defense. Um, Cam Miller transferred to Memphis last year. Jack Luttrell is in the portal right now. So of those nine guys, there's seven left. D. Williams is about to be done, so I guess there's six left for next year. And they're, they're all just sort of waiting, standing on the sideline, playing some special teams. 
Um, you know, both of those positions, I think Josh Heupel's staff has relied a whole lot on the leftovers of Jeremy Pruitt's tenure, offensive line and defensive backs. And, uh, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the pod, do you go into the portal or do you go to your your signing classes to replenish and build up this roster? So far, there's actually been three paths that Tennessee has taken under Heupel. There's the portal recruiting classes and there's the Jeremy Pruitt leftovers <laughs> which is not third, sustainable <laughs> that's right that third one is about to dry up uh most of their defense this year was uh Jeremy Pruitt leftovers uh almost their entire secondaries like eight seniors I think majority of those were Jeremy Pruitt leftovers there were some transfers in there so those are are being washed out and you're gonna have to whatever you've recruited in the defensive secondary, that's that's going to be what you have left over. They've got a little more time on the offensive line. Uh, a good portion of their offensive line this year were Jeremy Pruitt leftovers, um, Spragans and Cooper Mays, uh, some some guys that filled in. Ollie Lane is one of those. Um, but then they've supplemented that with portal guys, Gerald Mincy, John Campbell, um, Andre Carrick. And some of those guys are going to be back so they can sort of put that off another year. But eventually when you sign players, when you sign freshmen, you sign high school kids to be freshmen, um, they've got to play. Otherwise you're probably going to lose them. And they're losing a few of them now. They're hanging on to a lot of them. But I think it's become more and more of a trend in college football now for players to jump into the portal after their second year, redshirt freshmen or sophomores. You go two years, it doesn't look like you have a, you know, a clear path to start, you're going to go elsewhere. And that's where Tennessee is at right now with those, uh, those last two classes. You know, when I look at this, this recruiting class, Adam, they're, they're sitting at, at 14th in the 24 seven composite. They got a couple five stars at the head of the class committed. They got a four star quarterback and Jake Merklinger, uh, nine top two fifty prospects. Like there, there's some things to like here. And yet, as I say, it's 14th in the 24-7 composite, which historically for Tennessee, like a 14th rated class is like, you know, just sort of run of the mill. It's not something that's really widely celebrated at Tennessee. Tennessee has shown in years past that they can sign top 10 classes. Now, we've also learned from previous coaches that uh, signing top 10 classes does not necessarily uh, equate to top 10 results uh, on the field. So it goes beyond recruiting ranking, right? But, you know, when I think back to this time a year ago and Tennessee signed, I believe it was the number 10 rated class in the nation, headlined by Nico, their NIL program was humming and, and it seemed like Josh Heupel had sort of bucked the narrative that had followed him when Tennessee hired him, which was this guy's a really good offensive mind his defenses might be average, and the wild card is, can this guy recruit at the SEC level? There was a lot of skepticism around that idea. Well, I think he quieted that narrative last year with Nico in a top 10 class, but I feel like that narrative is kind of percolating again a year later. Where do you stand on that? How much of a concern should this be that Tennessee's class is outside the top 10, um, or is this a case of, don't get caught up in in the rankings. You think this this is a pretty good class? Well, I think it, first we we've got to look at whether or not Josh Hoppel is a really good recruiter. You mentioned NIL; that was the big selling point to get to get Nico. 
if you look at these last two classes, Josh Applesani's, who is playing a really large role on this team right now? It's only two years. I understand guys have to sit and wait their turn, and so some of these guys will, will pop up in the next year or two. But on offense, Squirrel White is – very good player, slot receiver. That's a plot. That's that's a hit. Um, I would say Dylan Sampson to this point is a hit. He's not starting yet, but he's played at that level. He's going to be your RB one next year. So that's two on offense. Defense. James Pierce is an All SEC edge rusher. He's going to be an NFL player. That's certainly a hit. Elijah Herring was your leading tackler this year. He he had some rough outings uh, late in the year when he was exposed in a number of ways. But he still was your leading tackler. He started the entire season as a sophomore. I think there's some hope for him there. Um, so that's two on offense, and that's two on defense so far. By the way, on special teams, D. Williams is a junior college transfer, one of the best returners in the country. Jackson Ross, a punter, was uh, all SEC freshman this year. So two hits on offense, two hits on defense, two hits on special teams. That's – I don't even know to, to, to say if that's okay. I think and, – and I don't think the others are misses. I'm saying hits and misses. I, I think it's hits and incomplete mostly for these other guys. I mentioned the offensive linemen haven't played. The defensive backs haven't played. They don't play many wide receivers. So we saw Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb at the end of the year play some because of injuries, but otherwise they weren't going to play. You've just got a whole lot of guys that have not played much. And, you know, I think Tennessee was – you know, we don't know how NIL collectives or we've seen rankings that when NIL opened up a couple of years ago, that Tennessee had the best in the country. I don't know if that you can really quantify that. I would say they're top 10 in the country right now, but I don't know that they're number one. I think a lot of other programs have caught up with Tennessee in that way. Tennessee, I think, is still elite in terms of uh, of NIL, but they're not necessarily uh, the, the top school with NIL. There's a lot of other competitors. And so if you sort of equalize that with some other schools, you can see why Tennessee maybe is dropping some uh, in the recruiting rankings. Now, what's the difference between being like 10th and 14th? It, it, not much, um, but Tennessee lost out on a five-star offensive tackle. It's going to Colorado. That's a money grab. I think it's fair to say that. Um, they lost out, out on a four-star uh, tight end that they had had committed for a long time. He's going to South Florida to follow, follow Alex Golish, Tennessee's former offensive coordinator, who, by the way, coached tight ends at Tennessee. And so you can see guys being sort of pieced away from this recruiting class, which is why it's dropped some. I think if they remain there on signing day, you're going to have some Tennessee fans that freak out a little bit. Like you said, that's just okay for Tennessee standards. I think to some extent that's uh, – that, that's fair. Um, I, I don't think the signing class ranking says the whole story these days because you have to look in the portal. But they'll have to be able to, if they remain in the middle teens with that signing class, they'll have to be able to counter that with some big portal signings. If you hit well on the portal and your class is, is 14, 15 in the country, you can sell that. I think if your signing class is 14 or 15 in the country, and you really don't have some big hits in the portal, well, then the question is, where is that NIL money going? Because if it's not going to to high school recruits and it's not going to portal hits, then you know it's going to what your current roster, um, or maybe you're just not selling it 
selling it well enough. And that's where Josh Hopple's recruiting comes into play. Because if you've got enough money to lure these guys here, then why are you not getting them? I think that'll be a legitimate question as we get further into the portal and we get closer to signing day. Yeah, and as we record this, just a, a little bit of a a little bit more than a week out before this December signing period, uh, Tennessee has 19 players committed to its recruiting class, which suggests that it's it's got several spots open to chase transfers. And and you were talking, you know, at the lead, Adam, about several of the positions there that you would expect Tennessee to address in transfers. And actually, the number of players Tennessee has committed mirrors pretty closely with Ole Misses commitment count. And as I said earlier, Ole Miss has become transfer you. And I don't think Tennessee will go to that extent, but it does show that they're more on that end of the spectrum right now versus say a Georgia, which has 28 players committed, you know, an extra nine guys as compared to Tennessee. And as we talked about earlier, Georgia is certainly not in the, as active in, in the portal as a lot of other teams. So it would suggest that Tennessee has several spots saved for portal guys rather than going hog wild in, in, in the recruiting class, which it, I think to your point, they have to, right? Like being 14th in the recruiting rankings only tells half the story in this age of, of transfers. But if you don't make a splash in the portal and you're 14th in the recruiting rankings, then it's kind of a lackluster offseason. And for, for people to understand, a lot of this is a numbers game in terms in terms of roster size. So normally a team gets uh, 85 scholarships. Tennessee is on probation. They've got to cut two to three scholarships per year, which means they're going to carry, instead of 85, they're going to carry 82 or 83. You need to leave a little wiggle room probably for like an April portal um period when the portal opened up again after spring practice. So you may not even get to 82, 83. You may be at like 80 um, once all this is said and done uh, at the, at once you get to January. So, so I say all that to say this, you have to let people go in the portal to sign people in the portal. Yes. They've got, what was it? 19 in the signing class. They have on scholarship. I think it's like 20 COVID seniors. So you're losing all 20 of those guys. Are you losing five of those guys, 10 of those guys? Every time a guy from that those COVID seniors jumps into the portal, you potentially open up a roster spot. Anytime they say, I'm done with football or I'm going to, the, going, going to go to the NFL, then that opens a spot. Tyler Barron is the biggest um, departure as we record this um, to go into the portal. Now, I think he may end up going to the NFL. We'll, we'll see. He's going to go to wherever pays him the most, I, I believe, but, um, that, that opens a spot. Um, so they're trying to, you know, figure a whole lot of these numbers. And I told you before we, we started the pod that if I said too many names about guys that are coming back or guys that are leaving, uh, it would probably, probably be outdated by the time this is published. Um, because I'm hearing, as we record this, I'm hearing other guys that will probably announce that they're not returning or that they are returning by the time, uh, by, by the time of the end of the night. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts when they start bowl practice they're, uh, at the end of this week, they're going to have a better idea of what their roster moves are and what their total number is, but they're having to balance that out in, in, in signing portal guys as they lose other guys. But you're right. There are spots open. Um, even if you calculate in the signing class and the the guys that they're going to have coming back, but uh, there's spots there. I, to this point, they're not having huge hits in the portal. 
I suspect that will change. Um, but I don't know how good you're going to have to, you're going to have to spend some major uh, NIL money, but you also have returning players that are trying to leverage their way into getting more NIL money. It's, it's so funny how all this stuff happens all at once. And, um, you know, Tennessee, I'd mentioned before about Tennessee had held on, had relied so much on some of these Jeremy Pruitt leftovers, those players from that tenure. I think if this, trajectory had gone in a different direction the last three years, I think you wouldn't have that question. Tennessee went seven and six, then 11 and two, and then, and now eight and four. If they had gone seven wins, eight wins, then 11 wins, by this time you would have said goodbye to the players from the Jeremy Pruitt era and, and turned it over to the new players. If it had gone the opposite direction, 11, eight, and seven, then you for sure would have already moved on to your younger players. But the fact that last year 11 wins gave you hope that this could be the standard, you could kind of keep it at this level, at that level, I, I think they relied so heavily on the Jeremy Pruitt players this year, hoping they could, you know, lightning would strike twice. And it didn't, and it was just, you know, a pretty good but not great year. And now what you're left with is players that have been here longer, playing bigger roles longer than you thought they would. And you have young players, recruits from the from the Josh Hoppel era that have barely touched the field, and that that's not a great mixture. With with the transfer situation, Adam, it's interesting because if if fans get themselves like so entrenched with their program, but they don't pay that much attention to what else is going on, you could see all these names in the portal from Tennessee and be like, "My gosh, what's what's going on at, at Tennessee?" Now, the reality is, what's going on at Tennessee is happening everywhere, right? Like like every program is suffering multiple exits to the transfer portal. And when I'm talking about multiple, I'm not talking two or three. I'm talking like you need both hands uh, to, to count the number of departures at your, your typical program out there. The, the, the panic meter comes if you're losing notable guys. You know, if Tennessee were losing, if Nico and James Pierce were heading for the portal, you'd think, my gosh, what in the world's going on in, in Knoxville? That's not who Tennessee is losing. I, I will admit, uh, I, I get your text alerts, Adam, as I, and as I was scrolling through the names this morning of the guys in the portal, there were a few guys that just, I, I'm like, this name surely has to be made up, right? Like, I, I've never even heard of this, <laughs> this person. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you mentioned Tyler Barron. Now, I was surprised when I saw your story that Tyler Barron was transferring. Um, simply from the fact that, as you mentioned, I thought he would end up in the NFL, and that may still be where he winds up. I didn't think this would be a guy that would be back for Tennessee next year. I just thought he'd be wearing a uh, a pro jersey on Sunday and and not transferring to another college program. Again, that might be still where this is headed. Beyond Tyler Barron, though, which is a notable loss for Tennessee, regardless of whether he goes to the NFL or transfers, it's still a loss. Um, beyond him, is there one or two guys that are in the portal at this moment with the understanding that this could become outdated in 10 seconds, but who are in the portal right now um, that you think Tennessee will miss to some degree? Uh, two of the DBs, as we record this, six defensive backs are in the portal uh, for Tennessee. That number may grow by the end of tonight. Um, but the two guys, Tamarian McDonald, who played the star position, nickelback, and uh, Danico Slaughter, who started at corner this year. He's also played safety, and he plays the star position. 
Um, I think you could say those two guys were maybe their two best DBs, at least after Kamal Haddon got hurt. Um, so we talk about that this is going to be turned over next year from a really, really, really old secondary to a very young secondary. Well, you don't want that to be like a, a complete 180. You would you would probably like to keep a couple of old guys around and then to mix them with mix them with the the younger talent or the portal guys. If I had to pick out two of the ones available to return, that would probably be the two that I would want back. Um, McDonald, because, because he plays star position, that's not an easy position to play. Um, and Slaughter, because you can either start him at corner next year again, or you could move him back to safety, which I suspect would probably happen if he came back. And so you've got a little bit of a veteran presence back there. Um, you know, aside from them, I don't, I don't, I don't think these are big losses. I mean, I have gotten a lot of reactions from Tennessee fans every time a new one jumps into the portal. I get the questions of, you know, what's wrong with team chemistry? Do these players hate these coaches? What's this is, must be a toxic atmosphere? All these players leaving, as you mentioned, widen your focus and look at other schools. Everybody's losing players to the portal. This this is what's happening. Um, you know, and of the ones they've lost, you know, it's nothing against these guys. They've all, some of them have played well at times. They've played long careers, but there's a, you know, there's a certain level and a certain need at some positions and guys are let go. Warren Burrell, Tennessee was perfectly happy to say goodbye to Warren Burrell. He's, you know, he's, he's been on the decline late in his career. He's been injured. He didn't play all that much this year. He was, he was in the rotation in the secondary and he was taking snaps away from the signees that they brought in last year to play his position. Brandon Turnage, same thing. He served a little bit of a role, but he was frankly keeping younger DBs off of the field. Um, They're perfectly fine for those guys to leave. Deshaun Rucker, you barely even seen him play this year. Same story. Jack Luttrell, uh, the freshman safety, there was some hope for him. Uh, I suspect we haven't seen him play much at all. I suspect in uh, practice, either the coaches or him or both looked around and said, I, I don't know if I can cut it at this level. Maybe I need to step down a half a level. Um, Mo Clipper, offensive lineman, probably the same thing. We've seen very little of him. Maybe he you know, saw the writing on the wall that I'm not going to be able to play at this level. Addison Nichols, is a, he's a disappointing one because um, him and James Pierce were the top signees uh, a couple of years ago. I guess the top signees aside from Nico, if I remember the classes right. No, two years ago before Nico. James Pierce and Addison Nichols basically had the same um, same ranking rating. And you look at James Pierce, he's all SEC. Addison Nichols on the offensive line has barely played. So that's a disappointing one. But to be honest with you, it he seemed like he needed a new start and he needed a fresh start and the team needed to move on from him for, because for whatever reason, they didn't feel like he was, he was measuring up to what they needed. And uh, so, I mean, of all those guys I just named uh, – You'd probably like to keep McDonald. You'd probably like to keep Danico Slaughter. But the secondary has struggled more than it's thrived in the past three years, and two of those guys are, are, are the ones in it. So those are not enormous losses. They're they're moderate losses so far. And while acknowledging this is not a, a zero-sum game, it's not like you, know, you have to say goodbye to someone to keep somebody else, I, I was struck um, you know, o- over the weekend as well, the news coming out that, Keenan Peely, the linebacker who was injured for most of the season, the BYU transfer, has been approved for, how about this, a seventh 
season. Uh, so he can, he can return next year at age uh, 54 uh, and, and play another <laughs> year of college ball. But jokes aside, this was a guy who is a really good player for BYU. As I think back on some of our preseason podcasts, I think either you or I or both had him like on our short list of, of high impact newcomers for this year. And an injury prevented the possibility of, of that happening. We don't really know what type of player he will be in the SEC, but I think it's a good thing for Tennessee, no doubt, that he can come back for a seventh year. So let me ask you this. Taking Tyler Barron out of the equation, because I would assume if he's an option to get back, of course you would want Tyler Barron back. If he's out of the equation, if you could have Keenan Peely or any of these other guys you just named in the transfer portal, but you only got to have one, would you go with Peely or would you go with, uh, you know, maybe one of those DBs that you mentioned? That yeah, are, Peely. Yeah. Keenan, Keenan Peely. I think I know where you're going. He's basically their transfer portal addition at linebacker this year because he only played half of a game this past season. Um, he's just going to be your new portal linebacker. It's just the fact that he's been on he's been on campus for the past year. Um, I would take him, that addition, re-addition of him, than the others. Now, granted, that is if he's healthy. If he's going to be injured again, that's a spot that you're losing. But you sort of have to roll the dice with some of these guys. Keenan Peely returning means that you don't have to really prioritize middle linebacker when you're looking in the portal right now. I mean, as we speak, Josh Heupel is trying desperately to find a tight end, maybe two tight ends. Um, he's looking around for maybe another offensive lineman. He's looking around for a wide receiver, um, probably some, probably a defensive back now. Um, there's a lot of positions. They'll, they'll take a D lineman, although I think they're going to have most of their guys back. Um, you know, there's a lot of positions for them to look at. Middle linebacker would be pretty high on the list. It can be bumped down a couple spots now that Keenan Peely is, is coming back. So that, that's certainly a win that he announced that. All right, so uh, that December signing period, we'll continue to follow that. That'll be on Wednesday. Adam will have the coverage. Uh, it, window is a few days, but a lot of the signees happen on that first day. You can find all the coverage of that over at knoxnews.com. Of course, the transfer portal, the comings and going of that, change by the hour, if not the minute. Adam will continue to track that, and we will be back with you next week to offer an update of where things stand and we hope to have john back with us as well thanks for listening to this edition of the volunteer state just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.